Well, our politicians have finally left Canberra. As I mentioned earlier in the program, the final sitting week of the year is over. It has been one hell of a year. There's been by-elections, there's been scandals, there's been resignations, there's been a change of Prime Minister, there's been a bonking ban, there's been all sorts of policy contested and all sorts of measures passed. But underlying all that, it's been a pretty good year for the economy. Up until at least recently, we've been seeing the economy outperforming all the predictions. Let's uh, wrap up the year in politics with somebody who's been right at the heart of matters all year and in the past week. He is, of course, the Finance Minister, Senator Matthias Cormann. He joins me from Perth now. Thanks for speaking to us, Matthias. Good evening, Chris. Good evening to your listeners. You must be very pleased to have gotten out of Canberra for the, for the, re- for the year. It's done now for the year. Well, not quite. I mean, we've still got our half-yearly budget update, uh, which uh, Josh Frydenberg and I will be delivering on the 17th of December. So, um, you know, still still a bit of work to be done. Oh, there's plenty of work to be done, but you don't have to sit in Parliament and deal with all the carryings on in the Senate and in the House of Representatives anymore. I was I was going to come to... I love Canberra. I love uh, love Parliament. (laughs) I bet you do. I'll go back to Parliament in a minute, but you you mentioned the mid-year financial and economic uh, outlook, uh, that update, the budget update that uh, you'll be delivering in a little while. Um, tell us what we can expect there. Is there any chance at all that it will show the budget is already in surplus or in balance? Uh, look, I'm, I'm not going to deliver the uh, half yearly budget update for you today <laughs> on your show. But I mean, obviously, the most recent update was at budget time. And what that showed was that we would return to balance in 2019-20 and that we would um, return to surplus by 2020-21 and remain in surplus all the way through the medium term. But, I mean, if you look at the monthly financial statements that I release, um, you know, every month you can see that we are tracking about $9 billion better uh, than projected at budget time. Um, so, I mean, and, you know, there was, a proje- there was a forecast deficit of about $14.5 billion at the time. But, you know, all of the, I mean, there are always a lot of movements up and down, uh, you know, in between budgets and budget updates based on what happens in the economy, based on what happens with uh, demand for services across health, education, uh, you know, and even, you know, across, across the board, essentially. So we'll update all of that and it'll be, it'll be released on the 17th of December. I mentioned most of the economic news this year has been very good. Unemployment really at uh, exceptional low levels around the country, 5% nationally. Jobs growth has been strong. Economic growth has been tracking well over 3%, higher than the budget forecast until this week. We got the national accounts this week and they show economic growth uh, dropping on an annual basis to below 3%. Is this just an aberration or are you worried about this? Well, I mean, our economic growth in Australia remains stronger than any of the G7 economies with the exception of the United States, and we remain well above the OECD average. Uh, so, I mean, Australia continues to perform well, but it's, it's got to be said that internationally in recent times, some of the downside risks uh, that we identified uh, at budget time, for example, in relation to global trade issues and the like, have materialised and, uh, you know, obviously... Uh, moving forward, uh, you know, we we will be monitoring that very carefully, but we, we remain optimistic. Australia is well positioned. Uh, we've been uh, pursuing, we've been very much pursuing a pro-growth agenda when it comes 
to uh, tax, when it comes to trade, when it comes to infrastructure, and you know, we'll, we'll continue to press ahead with all of that. A lot of people will tell you, a lot of economists now will say that 5% unemployment is near enough to full employment these days. In New South Wales and Victoria, unemployment is about 4.5%. At the same time, we've got company profits are very strong, yet we're not seeing wages growth kick in yet. What, when is that going to happen? When are we well, going to start, people, start seeing people getting real wages growth? Well, wages growth has started to pick up. And, you know, obviously, I mean, as excess supply uh, in the labor market goes down uh, and competition for the remaining uh, labor force in the economy increases, uh, you know, you will see wages pick up by more. I mean, you know, the alternative would, I mean, you know, the alternative, if unemployment rises and there's less competition for workers, you'd, you'd expect the wages to be lower than they otherwise would be. Now, just on the unemployment rate, I, I remember when I started in this job, about five years ago, the shadow treasurer, Chris Bowen, gave a speech at the press club where he said that we should be measured by whether or not we would be able to keep the unemployment rate below 6% and a quarter. And I'm sure that he didn't give us that target because he thought it was easy uh, to reach. And, uh, you know, unemployment rate at 5%, I'm still waiting for his letter. Of congratulations. Uh, of congratulations yeah. because we're performing so well against... Uh, against what he thought should be our benchmark for success or failure. Look, it is a great thing. As we all know, there's nothing better for people in life than than a job, than worthwhile employment. So it's a great thing for the country to have such low unemployment. Uh, we really do underestimate how well we're doing in this country so often. But I think part of the reason we do underestimate that is because we've had such chaotic political scenes in Canberra and around the states for that matter but let's take you back to Canberra this week Matthias Corman there's been all sorts of shenanigans all sorts of games but I would have suggested that Scott Morrison ended up at the end of the week and the government with him doing a hell of a lot better than you expected when you flew back from Buenos Aires with him Sunday night into Monday morning uh, facing minority situation and labour on the attack you might have expected all sorts of things to go wrong but uh, you've got your your encryption laws through the parliament and also Scott Morrison has announced these new leadership rules, which I think most voters will find quite comforting. Well, you know, we, we had a plan for this week, as we have a plan for every week. And, uh, you know, you're quite right. Uh, I mean, mission accomplished at the end of this week. I mean, what, what we've been observing in Canberra in recent times is that Bill Shorten is getting more and more cocky. He thinks that he's already won uh, the next election. And, you know, he's been bragging about, you know, all of the things that he would be doing to us this week, but none of it has actually materialised. Uh, well, look at some of the things he was talking about doing. One was he was looking to try and refer Peter Dutton off to the High Court on his eligibility issues. He failed at getting the vote to do that. He was also talking about blocking these encryption laws, these anti-terror laws. In the end, he rolled over and allowed them through, which is a good thing, though, I would have thought. Well, it's, it's a very good thing. I mean, but, but you're right. I mean, he was playing uh, political tactics, uh, you know, putting our border protection and our, the integrity of our borders at risk because he was uh, lining up with the Greens uh, to let the Greens uh, back uh, into writing Labor's border protection policies, undermining our offshore processing uh, arrangements. And he held uh, the changes to encryption rules hostage along the way. And, I mean, what we wanted to ensure this week is that in the lead-up to Christmas, our law enforcement and intelligence agencies uh, would be able to um, uh, ensure that uh, terrorists, potential terrorists, uh, child sex offenders and serious criminals cannot hide behind, uh, you know, the, behind encrypted communications through WhatsApp and uh, applications like that. I mean, they shouldn't be able to operate beyond the reach of law enforcement and intelligence agencies and in the end, we passed amendments to the House of Representatives that were agreed on a bipartisan basis, but for some reason, 
uh, Labor thought that uh, they should play some more games in relation to all of that. But in the end, to give them their credit, uh, they did the right thing in relation to that. And uh, indeed, uh, the Prime Minister achieved his objective. Indeed. I think uh, the games they're playing on Nauru and medical evacuations uh, weakening our border protection regime are very, very risky, not just for Labor politically, but more importantly, they're very risky in terms of Australia's uh, message on border security, on the strictness of our regime. Those laws are going to go back to Parliament next year, aren't they? Is there, there must be a strong chance that Labor and the Greens and independents might force, these, uh, force this weakening of border security security laws on the government? Well, I mean, the Labour Party keeps saying that that's what they will do, but I mean, I just point out to everyone, I mean, the Morrison government has been a minority government from day one, uh, yet, uh, you know, it's, uh, the Morrison government continues to enjoy the confidence uh, of the House of Representatives when uh, the Labour Party has not been able uh, to get any of its uh, games uh, through the House of Representatives. Uh, you know, we, we obviously will continue to make the case to everyone in the Parliament as to why our border protection laws are important uh, the way they are, including our offshore processing arrangements. I mean, you know, there's a, a lot of lies are being told about all of this. Where there are medical issues in relation to kids, I mean, those transfers happen now. There's no need for uh, a change in legislation uh, to deal to deal with that. But you know, the legislation the Greens uh, put forward with a number of crossbenchers supported by the Labour Party are very far-reaching. I mean, they would be taking uh, you know people from Manus and including uh, those that are, have, have already been found not to be uh, refugees. I mean, they would put the people smugglers uh, back into business. And, you know, the last time that the Labour Party joined up with the Greens uh, in relation to border protection policies, it had a devastating effect. Uh, you know, 50,000 illegal arrivals, more than 1,000 deaths at sea. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, we just don't want to go back there. We just don't want to go back there. Just one final question, Matthias Corman. Uh, we've seen new figures released this week uh, at the uh, the climate summit in Poland, showing that global emissions growth will uh, increase, uh, global carbon emissions will increase by three percent in the coming year. In other words, global emissions growth is twice the annual emissions of Australia. So why do we continue to do ourselves economic harm to reduce our emissions when it's obviously completely futile given global emissions are rising by a much more vast amount than our cuts? Well, our approach to global... Well, our approach to emissions reductions in Australia is to do it in a way that is economically responsible. And, uh, you know, we have uh, exceeded our emissions reduction targets and commitments under Kyoto 1. We're on track to meet our emissions reduction targets under Kyoto 2, and we believe that we can meet the sensible uh, emissions reduction targets that we have agreed to in Paris. Please don't do any more. Please don't do any more in this space. It's costing us enough and it's not doing anything to help the planet. If I I may, so the Labor emissions reduction target of 45% is obviously excessive. It's madness. And and pursuing uh, things like a carbon tax, essentially what that does is just shifting emissions from Australia to other parts of the world Therefore, the same amount of economic output emissions would actually be higher. So we would be shifting jobs and economic activity overseas, and the global emissions would actually grow by more than what emissions would be reduced in Australia. So we have consistently said that that is not a sensible way to go. We believe we've got the balance right. And uh, you know that is uh, that is the way that we're going to continue to approach it. I look forward to hearing more about that debate in the lead up to the election as well. Thanks so much for joining us again, Matthias Corman. Always good to talk to you, Chris.